The Blindness of Yitzchak by Rebez Rabik. Parashat Toldot recounts the entire career of Yitzchak. Abraham's life and deeds are described in Lech Lecha and Vayera in a series of incidents involving heroism, devotion, sacrifice, and moral excellence. And this is continued into Chaye Sarah. Yaakov's life is detailed from Vayetze until the end of Sefer Breshit. Yitzchak's life, his position in the trilogy of Avot, is completely encapsulated in one parasha, Toldot. And what did Yitzchak actually do in this parasha, other than having children and eventually sending them on their way? He dug wells. The only incident from Yitzchak's career described in the Torah is that he dug wells in Grar. No drama, no great deeds of heroism, no struggle, no journeys. The last point is especially indicative. Travel and wandering are hallmarks of Avraham and Yaakov. Avraham not only makes the long journey to Eretz Yisrael, he continually moves about within Eretz Yisrael, as well as a trip to Egypt. Yaakov makes the round trip to Aram and is associated with several different places in Eretz Yisrael, completing his life in Egypt. Yitzchak's life is circumscribed by Grar on the one side and the desert beyond Hebron on the other. The picture we receive is a sedentary one, uneventful, quiescent, passive, the Torah had nothing much to tell, it seems. Why then is Yitzchak an Av, a father, an archetype? An archetype of what? Let us begin by focusing on Yitzchak's blindness. When Yitzchak grew old, his eyes weakened from seeing. That Yitzchak had difficulty seeing is undoubted. The deception of Yaakov in order to obtain the brachot depends on it. Nonetheless, it is tempting to interpret his blindness as not only physical, but a perceptual, spiritual inability to distinguish. For instance, to distinguish between Yaakov and Esav, and not only in the form of their faces. How is it that Yitzchak loved and favored Esav when we assume he was unworthy of this preference? The answer is, he was blind, for some reason unperceptive, undiscriminating, and hence easily fooled. There is one relatively strong indicator of this interpretation, despite its seeming drush character. Normally, the Torah introduces a necessary background piece of information not at the beginning of the story, but precisely at the point where an explanation is demanded. For instance, although the fact that Sarah is barren is clearly a part of the background of the visit of the angels to Abraham, only when Sarah is about to laugh at their announcement of the impending birth of Yitzchak does the Torah write, and Abraham and Sarah were old. This is injected in the middle of the story, and to modern ears sounds like an interruption. This is, however, standard practice in the Torah. In our case, the story begins with a statement that Yitzchak was blind, and continues by stating that he called for Esav to come. If the significance of Yitzchak's blindness is to explain how Yaakov could fool him, this statement need not appear before verse 5. On the contrary, its actual location indicates that his blindness is part of the explanation of why he sent for Esav. From that, it is one more step to conclude that we are dealing with a lack of discernment rather than just physical blindness. This principle, that explanatory material explains the nearest verse, is behind the Midrashic principle of Dorshin Smuchin, proximity is a source of meaning. Naturally, the explanations need not be mutually exclusive. Not only is it possible that Yitzchak was blind in both ways, but a connection may be seen between the two. Yitzchak's physical blindness symbolizes and is reflected in his mental lack of discernment, the physical state of a biblical tzaddik mirrors his spiritual state. Why then was Yitzchak blind, unperceptive, 
not attuned to the world about him. The Midrash cites several explanations, some of which are quoted by Rashi. Let us examine two of them. The Midrash traces Yitzchak's blindness to something he saw during the Akedah. This approach is based on the statement, his eyes were weakened from seeing. The latter phrase, from seeing, is unnecessary, and the Midrash chooses to understand it as causative. Seeing caused his blindness, rather than modifying. His blindness was of the type which affects seeing. The first explanation is that Yitzchak, while bound upon the altar, looked up and saw into the heavens, where the angels were weeping. The tears entered his eyes, seared them, and years later caused his eventual blindness. An alternate version is that he saw the glory of the celestial throne, and this sight alone resulted in blindness. Both these Midrashim are clearly referring to spiritual blindness rather than physical blindness. After all, the verse explicitly states that Yitzchak became blind in his old age. Would the searing experience of angel tears have a delayed effect, if we are to understand that they in some way burn? Would the sight of the glory of heaven gradually attack the optic nerve like a dormant virus? Or would it, taking the story literally, burn away the tissues of the eye like a red-hot poker? The Midrashim are describing an experience which reorients Yitzchak's perception, a tendency which increases with age, and eventually, when it becomes totally dominant inwardly, is reflected in his physical blindness as well. But what exactly is the connection between the experience of the Akedah and blindness? I think the explanation of the first Midrash is as follows. Angels are routinely used by the Midrash to express an objective, rational truth, even when God disagrees. For instance, the angels argue against the creation of man because he is completely deceitful, and truth is the seal of God. God's answer is to cast truth down, not an answer which addresses their argument rationally. Similarly, the angels protest the Akedah as being foreign to God, meaning not in accordance with divine justice. In our Midrash, the angels' tears express the objective tragedy of the Akedah. The world, its spiritual foundations, weep at the sight of a father sacrificing his son. Yitzhak was witness and victim, willing victim, but victim nonetheless of this act. He felt the tears of the angels, the tragedy and sadness of existence in a world where such an act is possible. While looking at his father's face, stern and determined, preparing to sacrifice him. Is it any wonder Yitzchak was unable to reject a son, even Esav? The Akedah, an episode in Avraham's section of Breshit, was the formative experience in Yitzchak's life. While Avraham was also unwilling to reject his son Yishmael, nonetheless he could be persuaded by Sarah, by God. Avraham appeals to God to accept Yishmael, and the appeal itself indicates he recognized Yishmael's true nature. Yaakov, of course, is famous for his willingness to discern and distinguish between his sons, beginning with Yosef and ending with the individualized brachot, and not always brachot, to his sons on his deathbed. Yitzchak, however, is unable to do so, and this is due not to a simple lack of intelligence or insight, but to a heightened spiritual awareness of the value of fatherhood and sonship, an overwhelming sense of the tragic fragility of human continuity, of its cosmic significance, the angels are crying, and infinite value. This sensitivity will undoubtedly interfere with the practical side of fatherhood. You can't raise children if you refuse to distinguish between them. But is it not possible that it is nonetheless a crucial part of fatherhood, and Yitzchak is an Av, a forefather of the Jews, precisely because he exemplified that ideal? The second explanation of the Midrash 
relates that Yitzchak peered into the heavens and therefore was blind. Chazal are saying that Yitzchak's eye, following the Akedah, was turned inward or heavenward. Having seen so high, so holy a sight, having been in that world, he was unable to also see and weigh and consider the problems of this world. Yitzchak, in other words, was so overwhelmed by spirituality as to be relatively detached from mundane concerns. He was a dreamer, a visionary, contemplative, inward, detached, and that is the sort of disability that blinded him to a clear distinction between Yaakov and Esav. The first Midrash, while more tightly focused, is not actually presenting a different picture of Yitzchak. Whatever the nature of the cause, the result of the Akedah is that Yitzchak's heightened spiritual sensitivity makes him unable to make hard-nosed distinctions in the mundane world. His mind is directed upward and inward. His field is depth of experience rather than practical living. From where in Pshat did Chazal derive this picture? Consider the way Rivka maneuvers Yitzchak. It isn't only that she succeeds, both in the case of the brachot and in arranging for Yaakov to be sent away, but in her apparent inability to approach Yitzchak directly. In his presence, Rivka is unable to confront or persuade. The Nitziv traces this back to the story in last week's parasha of Rivka falling off the camel when first meeting Yitzchak. A touching story, but what is its significance? The Nitziv explains that Rivka's first impression of Yitzchak, returning from a walk in the field, which the Nitziv believes refers to a spiritual exercise of meditation, was so overwhelming in its spiritual force and intensity that Rivka could never overcome the feeling of trepidation and awe in his presence, even when she knew intellectually that she was right concerning a particular matter. This is indicated even more clearly by the lack of episodes in Yitzchak's biography. Yitzchak did not engage in a remolding of his external world. His experiences were inward, contemplative. He is an av. This sort of experience is a necessary and essential ingredient in the development of a full spiritual personality, but there cannot be much to tell. One episode in Yitzchak's life, repeated twice, digging wells, is the metaphor of this activity. Yitzchak doesn't conquer new heights. He deepens the achievements of the past. He not only digs wells in Eretz Yisrael, he re-digs the wells of Abraham. After Abraham, who climbed to the pinnacle of Mount Moriah, Spiritual development requires introspection, la suach basadeh, wandering through the field, digging within. And Yitzchak, in his all-encompassing fixation on the throne of glory, was the one to do that. The great achievements of Abraham will dissipate. The wells will become filled in. If Yitzchak will not return and deepen them, foregoing the advance into new areas in order to solidify what has been gained, his blindness, then, is part and parcel of his fatherhood. Consider, God could have intervened and told Yitzchak to give the blessing to Yaakov. When Abraham hesitates to banish Ishmael, God told him to do so, for Yitzchak was to be a successor. In Yitzchak's case, God neither cures nor instructs, and his blindness results in the bracha reaching Yaakov by mistake, not despite the blindness, but through the blindness. Yaakov receives the bracha in a manner where Yitzchak's blindness is part of the bracha itself. The blindness is not merely a disability, it is the obverse side of Yitzchak's depth, concentration, and single-minded dedication to the holy. Yaakov, whose personality is so different, is a product of his grandfather and father. Yitzchak gives him the bracha of Avraham, and he serves the god of Avraham and the pachad of Yitzchak. Pachad, fear and trembling, awe and retreat, are a necessary part of the integrated spiritual personality. 
This understanding of Yitzchak's personality in its one-sided extremeness is based on Chazal's view of the Avot as archetypes, all three of whom are necessary components of the Jewish spiritual personality. Chazal understood that to be the deeper pshat of Breshit, a description of the roots of the people of God rather than a collection of biographies. This approach requires that we search for the significance of each incident in the lives of the Avot and relate it to the theme of his life and of Sefer Breshit, rather than merely on the first level of pshat determine its historical coherence. For that purpose, the Midrash is unsurpassed.